Sound Design. We talk a lot about the hustle in my counseling office. The hustle is real. And I think that there are some pieces of it that are necessary, but you also have to take care of yourself. Sound Design. Sound Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to Sound Design Live, the home of the world's best online training and sound system tuning that you can do at your own pace from anywhere in the world. I'm Nathan Lively, and today I'm joined by licensed professional counselor, Danielle Boker from DB Counseling. Danielle, welcome to Sound Design Live. Thank you for having me. All right, Danielle, so I definitely want to talk to you about finding balance, mental health issues that we're struggling with today, especially in these strange, strange, weird times. But before I do that, what is your favorite song to start a road trip? That is a tough question. I think, um, you know, I have two two little ones, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. So right now we are obsessing over the Hamilton soundtrack and everybody okay. in the entire family <laughs> knows it. So if we were to go on a road trip today, that is absolutely what would get us through. Wait, are those kids safe lyrics? I feel like not really. <laughs> some challenging <laughs> subjects, and <laughs> they they fill in what they think they're saying. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, well, luckily they can't go to school right now right. and repeat that stuff and well, get you in trouble. We are in the midst of some homeschooling right now, and my my third grader is learning about ancient Greece. And so I was reading him some stories about Hercules and his response was Hercules Mulligan. So <laughs> I think, I think he might be a little bit confused, but we'll figure that out. Well, he's getting an excellent musical education. <laughs> so Danielle, how did you get your first job in counseling? Like what is the career? I don't know anything about the career path of a therapist, even though I have, several friends who are who are counselors and therapists. Do you have to go to school for a long time? And then do you immediately get a job? How's that work? Yeah, well, I was lucky enough that straight out of my bachelor's degree program, I got my bachelor's in psychology. And straight out of that program, I was able to work for an organization where I was doing some counseling and independent living skills with kids who were aging out of custody of the state. So kids who had lived in group homes or foster care who were turning 18, and when they turn 18, all of a sudden, they need to be on their own. And so we worked a lot on life skills, learning how to get a job, how to go about getting an apartment, paying bills, things like that. And so I was lucky to to get a lot of practice right away. And while I was doing that work, I started on my master's program. So in order to to be a licensed professional counselor and to work completely on your own in private practice, you have to go through a master's degree or a PhD and then get that licensure. So I've been, I've been blessed to have a lot of different experiences. Wow. That's great. Okay. So that was how you got your first job Mm -hmm. and now you have your own practice called DB counseling, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And just so we're clear, that is decibel counseling. Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay, great. It's my initials. <laughs> it is my initials. But oh, it I is also, your initials. Yes. Shit, I didn't even notice that. That's but, awesome. But I also love to put it in as a lowercase d and a capital P. I see that. Okay. Just a little like wink, wink for anybody who gets it. 
So I'd love to zoom in on a moment in your career when when something changed for you. I find that a lot of people that I talk to take a hard turn somewhere or, or just make a decision that they're going to choose themselves or choose something different. So looking back on your career so far, what is one of the best decisions you've made to get more of the work that you really love? Wow. Definitely starting my private practice. And right now my private practice is a part-time thing for me. I also work full-time for a nonprofit organization that helps the music industry. And I've done that for 13 years. And so when I started my private practice almost two years ago, I it was because I was speaking at an event for live sound engineers, actually, and audio crew. And we were talking about mental health. And I found that the questions were really directed toward me and some of what I know from my background being somebody who grew up in the music industry with my dad owning a live audio company. My husband is a weekend warrior. He travels and does video content. And so there were a lot of questions that were being directed at me that kind of came from that side of things. And I thought, wow, I have this knowledge from my background and my study as a counselor that I can really hone in on this particular group. And these are my people. So ever since I started doing that, I just, I absolutely love it. I love that I get what, you know, the situations are that people come to me with. And a lot of times people are coming to me with balance is really the biggest thing work-life balance, and then a lot of anxiety and depression as well. Those are kind of the top three things that I work on with my clients. I think it's such an it's interesting field and, the, and there's so much to say about it. But the first thing that comes to mind, oh, actually, let me get this question out of the way. Uh, what is the nonprofit? Music Cares. It's the nonprofit arm of the Recording Academy and provides emergency financial assistance for people in the music industry all across the country. Oh, cool. Okay. So I find uh, working in ProAudio to be really interesting. And one of the reasons is that everyone who gets into it has kind of had to figure it out for themselves, you know? And I think most people get into it because they don't want a regular job. Like, I don't know if that's a fair generalization. You know, if you're listening right now and you're like, that's not at all it, you know, let me know. Send me an email. But so many people that I've talked to are just like me and they're growing up and they're thinking, Hey, I just want to be a rock and roll star forever, you know, or I don't want to have a nine to five job where I go into an office. And so that must be an interesting place to meet people who have got in for this particular reason, which is kind of like to have fun, get dopamine off of this work, and then discovering that there are all of these challenging situations that that make it just like a real job or, you know, whatever the stressors are that people didn't get into it for. So I feel like I'm just imagining a lot of your conversations go like this. Hey, this is not what I signed up for. And you're like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that how it is? I feel like that must Absolutely. be a lot of what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. I think there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of conversations around transitions. Okay, you know, maybe I want to consider transitioning, starting a family, coming off the road a little bit more. How do I do that? All my experience has been on the road. It's all I've ever known. Yeah, just a, a lot of different conversations around things like that. And it's interesting you said the the nine to five. My husband told me before we got married, 
I am never going to work a nine to five office job. Just, I just need you to know that. So I was very, very aware from early on that that was not going to be the way that, that we did things. So you're like, cool. Well, if we have kids, they'll be raised by someone else. And <laughs> we'll have like, a nanny. As long as you make a ton of money, uh, we'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So, and, and tell me a little bit about starting your own practice. So you had this moment and you were like, oh, I have a niche. Mm-hmm. And then... And and then what? Do you just put up a sign? At, what does it mean to, to start your own practice as a counselor? Wow. Well, a lot of it was networking, was really networking and, and networking a lot with people who I was already connected with. I realized, oh, wow, I've got these different connections of people who are good friends of mine who work in the industry, my family, people who I've known through my nonprofit work. And so it really was just a lot of kind of hanging out with those people that I love anyway and getting to talk to them about, hey, I've got this idea. What do you think? And the amount of support that I got from other counselors, from people in the industry was just amazing. And it's really helped my practice to grow so quickly. And it's been really awesome being able to have such a specific niche and still fill a practice with that. So that was a little scary, like, okay, are there going to be enough people who I can fill that in Middle Tennessee? Yes, yes, there are. <laughs> okay, and what is the difference between, I keep like just going back and forth between counselor and therapist. So counselor, therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, what are those? Okay, so counselor, therapist are basically the same. Okay. So a counselor and therapist can be used synonymously. A psychologist would have a degree specifically in psychology. And usually a psychologist, I mean, sometimes they are going to be seeing clients in a practice like a counselor or therapist would, but usually they're going to be a little bit more based on clinical research, things like that. A psychiatrist is an MD. So what they're looking at is prescribing medication and that medical side of things. So a lot of times individuals will work with both a psychologist, counselor, therapist, and a psychiatrist. So one in that one, that first group, and then to work on kind of the behavioral side of things. And then the psychiatrist will work on the medical side. Danielle, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making who are new to kind of the unbalancing effects of working in live event production? And when I'm thinking of mistakes, I'm kind of thinking, Uh, You know, as you're starting out and you're like, oh, man, I feel unbalanced because I'm working a lot of hours or I'm doing a lot of travel or I'm not seeing my family and my friends. There's often an attempt to self-medicate or, you know, fix that, DIY that on your own. And I'm sure people come to you and they say, hey, I've tried this, this and this and it's not working. So I'm I'm curious, what are some of those things that you've seen people try and, and mistakes they've made? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think one of the easiest mistakes to make in this industry, because so many are trying to, you're selling your own craft, you're selling yourself. And there are so many contractors in what you guys do that you're just go, go, go saying yes to everything because you don't want to say no. You want to make a name for yourself. You want to show that, you know, you can do it. And so I think there's a lot of overworking and not having those boundaries, not finding that balance. And when that comes, it's usually coming because of the crash and burn. It's usually coming because stress 
has really built in or depression, anxiety, however that comes out in you or substance abuse, that people are using these different mechanisms to kind of get through, to get through on that little amount of sleep, to get through on constantly work, 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 go, 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 that hustle. And we talk a lot about the hustle in my counseling office. The hustle is real. And I think that there are some pieces of it that are necessary, but you also have to take care of yourself. Because if you keep pouring out into all of that work and all of that hustle, and there's no pouring into yourself, you're going to eventually just burn out from that. So I guess what I'm wondering, you know, before we talk about some ways that we can improve the balance is some ways that people are doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. So how have you seen people sort of like attempting to fix this on their own and making it worse before they get better, I guess? Mm Mm-hmm. I think substances are definitely something that we see. I think substances I, like what? Yes, substances like alcohol. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like alcohol and drugs. Using I've alcohol and it. drugs to to kind of get through, and that's I mean that's a part of the industry. That's a part of you know it's it's really hard to get away from. That tends to be you know you work long hours and you're in a city that you don't know. Let's go have a drink. So I think a lot of people tend to go toward that. And I don't have the research right in front of me, but I want to say it was over 70% of people in the music industry tend to struggle with alcohol and drug use. And it is just trying to deal with that, that lack of sleep, that hustle that they're going through. So I think that that is absolutely probably number one mistake that people are making. There's this, this energy fluctuation that that you is really exciting, but can be difficult to deal with. And one of the most exciting things and stressful things about working on live event production is um, there's this urgency, right? Like we got to get this thing done and we have this deadline. And that actually feels really good because it feels like the work is really important and I'm really important. And these things that we're doing are really special because there's this urgency. And so I can definitely see that in my own patterns of this day of like, go, go, go. And like, now how do you like, how do you switch gears? And Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of the substances come into. That's just where they come into the picture. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So no question there. (laughs) I'm just agreeing with you. (laughs) Okay. So let's, so let's talk about some, some, some of the things from your talk at Live Sound Summit this year, which if people want to hear, they can go to Live Sound Summit 2020.soundsdesignlive.com. You had a presentation called Finding Balance Between Home and Road. And I know this is going to feel a little bit out of place right now while we are all in quarantine talking about the road, but that's why I've been sort of referring to it as live event production and mm-hmm. not necessarily touring right now because people are still working, doing broadcasts, doing live streaming events, and we will go back to work and people you know, will be listening to this years into the future. So I, I think it's fair to talk about the stresses of you know, working on any event production, even though uh, we will be referring to home in the road, I guess. Right. Okay. So I want to dive into this a little bit because you shared with people some ways that you've identified unbalance and and how you can start looking at restoring balance. So first of all, why do I need balance? How do I know that I don't have balance? Like what are some indicators that this thing is happening? Right. So I think when you look at balance, you need to look at it as this 
filling your day with one is community. So having your community, whether that is like a work community, your your home life, whatever, but having people that you are in community with, that's a piece of balance. I think another piece is doing things that take care of yourself. So whether that's, you know, meditation, reading a good book, exercise, whatever it is, something that is really taking care of you, it could be a hobby. And then I think the last piece of balance is that productivity. And where we get stuck is a lot of people overdo the productivity and forget about the hobbies and the self-care things and the slowdown and that community around them, especially when you're constantly changing what you're doing. Or maybe your community is hard to connect with when you're in the middle of an event. You're working 15 hours. How do you connect with those people that, that help you, that care for you? So I think just kind of trying to find that balance, that middle ground in all three of those, that's when you know that, you know, you're good. That gives you kind of that ability, that stability to move forward. But I see a lot, like, I love that you said, you know, just kind of that creative mind. And, you know, so many people that I work with have that really creative mind and they really love the go, go, go. They love the endorphins. That's why they got in the industry. That's why it works for them. And so right now is a really, really tough time for people being at home because you don't really have that as much. Some are able to really think out of the box and start doing some other things, but not everybody, not everybody has the ability to do that right now. And so not only are we out of that go, go, go a little bit with being at home, but now you're in a completely different environment, maybe around people that you're not normally around as much where you get a little bit more independence and you don't have that right now. So just some things I know I went off on a tangent, but just some things to think about in the this current day in this current season that we're in. No, I want to go with you on this tangent for, for just a second. I don't think we need to, to really spend a lot of time on it, but I do see this. I kind of thought we were all on the same page that like, hey, this is going to go on a little bit longer than we thought. And so if we're going to survive, like we need to look at diversifying our business, other ways that we can be making money, staying busy, projects, family. Like there's, it's... It's not the new normal, as you mentioned in your talk, but mm-hmm. it is a sustained change for a while and and potentially an opportunity to look at our businesses and our personal lives in a different way. And the only reason why I want to say that is because I posted something about this on Facebook about a week ago and, you know, talking about like, hey, here's how we can start looking at working on streaming services because there are a lot of people doing online meetings now. And someone commented and said, hey, don't worry about this. Just relax and we'll be back working on shows soon. And I was like, I kind of felt like that four months ago, <laughs> but not anymore. That seems like a really short-sighted way of looking at our businesses because something like this is going to happen again. It won't be exactly the same, but, you know, this isn't the first time we've had an economic depression or economic downturn that has made people spend less money on live events. And quarantine is definitely a new thing, but something could happen to the economy that that would affect our business again. And so... Yes, I'm sure with, I, to bring it back around to you and your practice, I, I'm just thinking that this must be a topic 
of conversation in your sessions and kind of a stress people are experiencing right now. So it's not home and it's not balanced between home and the road. Now it's balanced between home and home. And right. what do we do? So I don't know. Do you, do you have anything else to say about that? We can, we can sort of move, we can move on from this, but if you have anything else to say are interesting sort of revelations you've had from conversation with your clients, I'd be curious to know. Yeah, I think that I've had some some really great experience with some of my clients in this that they've taken the opportunity to work on the hobbies or things that they really enjoy outside of this work. I have a client who just got licensed as a realtor and is doing that on the side and it's something he's always kind of wanted to do as just, you know, a fun thing and and something that could bring in a bit more income and he's doing that right now as he's furloughed. So he expects to go back into the music industry, but this is something great that he could even do when he's back to that full-time work. He could do this on the weekends and still have this enjoyment with it. So um, it's just, it's been interesting kind of seeing what people are doing with this. Some individuals, you know, going into, you know, breaking out of the box and doing more webinar-based things to be able to still kind of show you know, show their skill and do something within the industry, but in a safe way. So it's just, it's been really neat to see like the creative side because creativity is all, is all in this industry. I mean, it's, and it's so cool to be able to work with creatives who can think outside of the box. So I've, I've been really lucky to have a lot of clients who really see the silver lining in this and have been able to work with that really well and kind of have that grateful mindset and be able to move forward in this. Okay. Yeah. So I guess what I'm taking from what you're saying is, is less about looking at what I'm missing out on right now and more at what the possibility is Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, absolutely. So Danielle, I've seen a lot of my friends and family benefit from working with a therapist regularly. I never have, at least regularly. I've seen people like off and on through the years, a few sessions here, a few sessions there that I've really enjoyed, different life coaches, different teachers that have come into my life at times that have been really helpful. And so I can't really speak to it for myself. And I just thought maybe for other people who are in my position who've always sort of wondered, like, what's it like to work with a therapist? And the questions that have always stopped me from getting started are... Uh, what's the cost? Like, am I going to be able to afford this? And what's the benefit? Like, how long will it take me to see a result? And what is the result? Do do I feel better? Am I happier? What do I get out of it? And then how do I find someone to help me get started? So I was wondering if you could talk us through some of those questions. You don't have to have a specific answer on these, but like, I think these are going to be the same questions that some people have listening. So yeah, let's talk about getting started. Absolutely. So, you know, I think just one of the things thinking about what are you going to get out of therapy, that is all up to you as an individual. So the first time you meet with a therapist, they're going to ask you about what your particular goals are for therapy. That doesn't mean that you're coming in with, you know, this horrible situation that's going on right now and you're needing that to be fixed. But being able to have somebody to talk to about some different things that are going on, a therapist isn't going to give you advice they're not going to tell you what to do. There's someone who is there to kind of walk alongside you as you're going through some things and maybe help kind of direct a little bit. So I'm never going to tell a client, this is absolutely what you need to do to change your life. It's a lot better to walk beside them and watch them come to that 
as we work together. It means a lot more when you're able to come to a determination on your own from kind of working through your thoughts and your feelings around something than if somebody were to tell you, you know what you need to do? You need to do this. <laughs> you know, That's have you ever had somebody, right? yeah, have you ever had somebody tell you what you need to do? You're usually not going to listen to that as easily. Yeah. I mean, unless it's someone that you've hired specifically for that thing, like tell me how to, f- to fix this house or fix this car or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But normally, yeah, unsolicited advice, no one wants that. Right. So a big piece of it is just, you know, figuring out what what you would want to get out of therapy and from that determining who would be a good fit for you. And one therapist who might be a really great fit for somebody might not be a great fit for another person. It's about personalities. It's about value. It's about modalities. There are so many different modalities that therapists use. So some come from a cognitive behavioral space. Some come from, like me, I do some EMDR work with trauma. Some people are really into that. Some people not. What's um, EMDR? So EMDR is something that you can use for trauma that is a therapy that utilizes eye movements or kind of a back and forth from the left hemisphere of your brain to the right hemisphere. So it can be with eye movements, it can be with tapping, with sounds, but basically getting an information processing to go through in your brain. And if you've been in a trauma, you've had something stuck. It didn't process correctly. So you kind of start to live life looking through this lens of that trauma, even if you don't realize that that's what it is. There's kind of that, that background. And so with EMDR, we help to, you know, work through that trauma and get you into information processing in your brain to kind of file that away. And it doesn't completely take away the fact that a trauma happened, but it lessens the sharpness of it. Mm-hmm. It makes it not something that's always right in the front of your mind, not something that you live through every day. And when you say trauma, I think a lot of us think car accident, war, but I was surprised to learn that that almost everyone has experienced some kind of trauma. And and for everyone, uh, everyone has kind of like a different story and a different perception and a different experience of that. And so I just wanted to kind of point that out Mm -hmm. for people who are listening. So would you agree that like... Is it fair to say it's kind of a big catch-all for, I don't know, an experience of pain in the past? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And we call those, so what you named, like car accidents, war, things like that, those are big T traumas. Those are what we usually think of when we say trauma, but there are also little T traumas, and everybody has experienced a little T trauma. There are things that happened to me in sixth grade that, for whatever reason, are so vivid And I might think like, oh, that's not a big deal. That kid was just mean to me on the playground. But it's kind of taught me something about my life. And there's a reason why it's still vivid. So it's it's kind of taught me some maladaptive beliefs that I need to work through. Interesting. It's like a memory that triggers shame. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm into, yeah. And, And going back to your original questions. So I think it's really important to try to find a therapist who matches well with you. And one way to do that, I always encourage people, reach out to them ahead of time and ask them for a brief consultation over the phone. You can figure out in a couple of minutes of talking to somebody if they seem like a good fit for you. And most therapists are going to do that for you. They're going to be able to give you that time so that you can determine if they're a good fit. Okay, Um, cool. 
and, and that's you where you can mentioned- get all your questions answered about money, fit, time commitment, yes. and stuff like that. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then there are programs for financials. There are some different programs that exist like Music Cares that can help to provide a short-term grant to help pay for the cost of therapy if you can't afford it. If you have insurance, there are definitely therapists who accept insurance. Most therapists have a sliding scale if they don't accept insurance where they are open to taking you at a lesser rate. So there are all different all different types of ways to go about that if you're needing some help to actually financially be able to cover the cost of therapy. Okay. And if you send me links to those things, I'll include them in the show notes to okay. help people find those if they want. Perfect. Okay. So I recently found out that depression runs in my family. It seems like both sides. My father was recently diagnosed, for example, and is, is starting some treatment for some various things. So should I be on the lookout for that? What symptoms should I be on the lookout in myself? Or should I just start treatment immediately knowing that it runs in my family? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't, I don't think you need to, I don't think you need to get super anxious about it, you know, but knowing that that is something that runs in your family I think, yeah, just having an awareness of it. What is that? What does that look like? Doesn't necessarily mean that when you have, you know, a case of the Mondays that you're depressed, that you're clinically depressed, but just noticing, are there times in your life when you find yourself withdrawing and even those people who are kind of your core community, you're pulling away from them. If you kind of can't get out of a rut for a while, what what kinds of things can you do to try to help yourself to to find that balance to kind of come back out of that so i think just having an awareness of what that looks like and what are your what are your kind of tender spots what are the things that you do do you tend to just kind of ghost on everybody for a little while is that something that is good for you? Or is that something that's bad for you? Does it affect your everyday living? Does it affect your work? Does it affect your relationships? If there's a big effect there, then you probably should look into some other things. Okay, cool. I'm sure there's a lot of things we didn't get into on this subject. So there is Danielle's Lies on Summit talk. And then, you know, we'll talk about the best place to, to contact her. And I'll include that in the show notes for this for the show as well. So, Danielle, seems like things have gone great for you, but I'm sure they don't always go great for you. So tell us about the biggest or maybe most painful mistake that you've made on the job and what happened after that. Oh, can I claim like HIPAA and just... (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing I can tell you. (laughs) You know what, just tell the story and I'll make a long beep over the entire thing. I think I think probably the biggest mistake is working too hard as a therapist, working too hard to try to get my clients to work harder. I think. um, What does that look like? That you're you're like calling them and like pushing them or what? I think it's my own anxiety and feeling like, oh man, I should have done that in the session, or I should have. I should have done this or I shouldn't have done this and realizing that it's not really my journey, it's theirs. And so kind of going back to that, I'm there to walk with them through it and not to fix them. And if they're, you know, going a certain way that maybe isn't something that 
that I agree with or, or that I would encourage that it's okay for me to just to be with them in that and help them come to that realization on their own. I think we put too much pressure on ourselves to try to fix. Danielle, what is a book that has been immensely helpful to you? I love Lori Gottlieb. She's a therapist, of course, who (laughs) wrote a book called, I think it's called You Should Talk to Someone. You should really talk to someone, but it's, it's really great. It's, it's written really well. And it's from her as a therapist. There are kind of scenes of her working as a therapist, working with clients, working with one difficult client in particular that she talks about. And then with her becoming a client because she's going through a really tough time in her life. So it kind of shows you from both sides and it's really interesting. She's really raw and vulnerable and it's, it's a great read. It's a really, it's a sweet story, and it's interesting to be able to see both sides of the coin. And Danielle, do you listen to any podcasts? I do listen to podcasts. Okay, so I want to know like the one or two that you have to listen to every time they come out. Oh, I love Criminal. That's one of my favorite podcasts. It's Tell just me so about interesting. Criminal. So it's really interesting how they talk about things that are are criminal. So they go into different stories about crimes that occurred where, you know, maybe whatever happened is something that wouldn't be seen as criminal now. So it's just, it's really interesting. I can't remember who does it. But then another one that I love that's just kind of a short little like bleep if you're just in the car for a little while is StoryCorps. Oh, sure. Yep. So I just, it's great. That's been around for a while, right? It has yeah. been around for a while. So there's there's a lot. If you haven't listened to it, there's a lot to catch up on. <laughs> Danielle, where is the best place for people to follow your work? So my website, www.dbcounseling.com. I have also recently bit the bullet and decided to get on social media on Instagram at Danielle Boker LPC. Well, Danielle Boker, thank you so much for joining me on Sound Design Live. Thank you, Nathan. I appreciate it. Sound design. This episode was edited by Noah Feldman. It features music by me, Noah Feldman. You can find more at soundcloud.com slash Plantasia 2.0. I have two new workshops coming up that you might want to know about. They're both about phase. The first one is called Intro to the Phase Graph. And the second one is a follow-up to that called Phase Alignment Science Academy. Intro to the Phase Graph will answer these questions. What are the optimal settings for the Phase Graph? How do I practice when I don't have a PA? And how do I convert phase to time and time to phase? And the Phase Alignment Science Academy workshop will answer these questions. Where do I put the measurement microphone? How do I use crossover filters? And how do I use all-pass filters? So the first one, Intro to the Phase Graph, is next month in March, and then the second workshop will be in April. Each of them have three dates to pick from. I try to make it really easy to work with your schedule. So there are two dates on a Sunday and then one on a Monday, um, and same thing for the one in April. So if you want to find out about those, go to sounddesignlove.com and click on training, or look in the show notes for this podcast. Sound Design Live is supported by Ellis Learn Stage Lighting, Joel Sinqui, Bob Pedro Martin, Rody Free Radio, Scott Ross, Voyager Sound, John Dave, DC Sound Op, Nicholas Kuba, Chris, and Terry. 
You can start supporting Sound Design Live today for as little as $1 over at patreon.com slash sounddesignlive.